Hello and welcome Stand Up World episode 39. I'm Mike Binder. Thank you for coming back or coming in or coming on. Still trying to figure out what the reality and the jargon of the geography and the digital world is. Thank you for uploading, downloading, sideloading, freeloading, whatever you're doing. I'm just really glad you're here. We have a really great episode. Uh, Patrick Arnold, producer extraordinaire, is with us today. Patrick, how are you? Good, Mike. How about you? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm really excited. I, I, I am so excited about having Dave Smith as our guest. I, I find him to be one of the most exciting guys working in, in a world of just you know, uh, 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 so, that I'm so fascinated in anyway. He's in a class by himself. He's, you know, I don't, I, I want to say part Mort Saul, part young Johnny Carson. You know, he's just got so much going on in terms of, of, you know, he's a political comic, but he's, he's a comic. He's a host of, a, of he's one of the skanks. <laughs> he's a skank, this guy. Yeah. But, from the Legion of Skanks with, with Louis J. Gomez and Big J. Okerson and, and actually Dan Soder, my buddy, who, who was one of the original guys who's, who's kind of stepped aside. Bobby Kelly's with them now, I believe. Isn't that right? Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's the bonfire. But the Oh, Legion that's the bonfire. Yeah, okay. Louis Gomez, but, yeah, Big J, and uh, Dave. But Dave is, Dave is like in the center of that. But he's so got his stand, own... Yeah. He's got he's got his own brilliant podcast called Part of the Problem, and which has skyrocketed recently to like I saw last week he was like number two on of all podcasts next to Rogan, and it makes sense because he's so intelligent. He's like Joe. He's so intelligent. He's well read. He's well thought. He's not afraid to have his opinions. He's he's just a very clever guy. You know, and he's very, like I say, he's nestled into today's world. He doesn't it feel like he he's running a podcast so he can get a sitcom or, or get a talk show on on network. He, he, he wants to be here. He wants to be in the underground. He wants to be in, in all the all these guys, you know, the skanks and, and that group they they love the world you can tell that they've created and they're with gas digital their their whole platform they really love what they've created and they love their fans and they've got passion at their back which i really i really appreciate that you know and and that's you know one of the reasons i started stand up world and one of the reasons that i like to write about on stand up world is that world uh, and the passion and, and, and the how much these these artists, men and women, I say guys because when I say guys, I'm talking chicks. I'm talking, you know, talking people of color. Okay, guys means everything to me. I'm not like uh, saying guys like my friends Joe and Ken. I'm saying comics artists but 
the artists in this world are all just so into what they do and they just Dave Smith really exemplifies that to me. And that's why I, I really, I really was so happy when he said, yeah, I'll come on the pod and talk. And then of course, the other thing is he had this brilliant conversation with Bobby Kennedy, RFK Jr., who, as you know, I'm a big fan of and good friend of. And <clears throat> so this guy's a winner to me. So let's talk to him. Okay. What do you what do you what do you think? Patrick, you, you look hesitant. No, I'm ready. I'm ready to get right into it. Oh, you're just a big Trump guy. That's what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I, I want him 2024, you know. There he said it. Patrick's Patrick's a Trump Trump. Trump wants Patrick wants Trump and Biden as Trump's VP. That would be something. Let's get it going. Dave Smith. Dave, how are you, man? Doing good, man. Nice to be with you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of yours. I really am. I I, I, I have been for a while, and I and I I just uh, you're a rare bird. I have to say. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> well, uh, thank you. I, I, and I know that your podcast has just been taken off lately, huh? Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been a good uh, few weeks. Uh, so yeah, got a lot of a, a lot of new listeners, and our numbers are the highest they've ever been. So it's cool. Uh, it's, it's yeah, exciting. I saw I saw one day it was like number two podcast or something in the world, uh, and then the list. It's like, and what what do you what do you what do you, what do you give that to? What's what where do you put that? Anything. Well, I mean, the the primary thing has been Joe Rogan. You know, I've just I've done his show a whole lot of times, and um, he's got the biggest audience in the world. And so I did his show, and people like what I have to say there, and then they they come over to mine. So that's been the biggest. But I do, you know, it's usually like it's just a lot of it's a lot of things, kind of like it it builds slowly. Like that's at least for me. Like there are guys who like take off, you know, and I've known some of these guys. I'm good friends with people like um like uh like i started in the clubs with like uh michael che um and he was just like this energy like it was just he was a unique talent you could tell like even when he was first starting and then he just like got things and it like just took off from there you know um but for me it was always just kind of like a slow steady thing there was never like one thing where i just shot off it was just always like you do more shows you do, you, you know, your podcast audience grows, you do more big podcasts, you do more big clubs, and then little by little by little, it kind of just just built. Um, so that's, that's it. But I'm, I'm very lucky. I, I, uh, I, I love what I do. I just I love stand up comedy. And I love talking shit about politics. And I, I get to do that for a living. So it's, uh, it's, it's not bad. That's great. That's great. They say, you know, if you got an attitude of gratitude, you can never go wrong. You know, I, I, I kind of meant, because to me, I don't know, you, you've been a legion of skanks and you, you've been around, it just seems so steady, but something just spiked and you've been on Joe Rogan. So I, I actually think, and maybe it's just because I'm just so pro Bobby Kennedy and, you know, Bobby Kennedy and I have been friends for 40 years, you know, and, and I thought that interview you did with him was just fantastic and so did he, by the way, he just, he loved it, you know? And, and I, I just thought, I thought maybe that might've been a, a, 
it's it's you guys seem like a good mix anyway you know yeah no that was one of uh that was one of my most downloaded episodes i've ever done and uh it was a great conversation uh, he's just he's an incredible guy um yeah. he's uh he's truly he's he's brilliant he's incredibly well read i mean the guy knows everything and when he's when he talks about something he's not it's not like oh i've like this is kind of my opinion on this. Like I read an article and now I have an opinion on this. He's like, I've read 25 books on this subject and I remember all of them. And I, you know, and like, so very impressive guy. And I mean, you know, he's, you've been friends with him for a long time. He's incredibly charismatic. It's un, it's unbelievable that with the deficit he has, which is with his neurological, uh, you know, yeah. local issue that he can still be as successful as he is. Like the guy is blowing up, changing the like changing the trajectory of the political culture in America off of his words. And he has trouble speaking. And like what he has to say is so powerful that it can transcend that. And you forget about it. Like as soon as you start having a conversation with it, like when you when you don't know, when you first talk to him, you notice it. And then by like a five minutes in, you're just so like engaged in what he's saying that it's just it's almost like it completely goes away it's like that that's how good he is it's it's really he's an impressive guy oh yeah and and i am 10 10 or so years ago 15 years maybe now he would give talks about you know the rivers in 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 his voice was worse and he would give these long speeches in people's living rooms and and you're right after 10 minutes people weren't even listening to the voice they were listening to the, his passion and his and his sense of need to wake us all up but i i will say you know it's so funny because i i do i think he's incredibly brilliant and i think he's a it's the he's kind of a person for the time you know in the sense that that he's right in the middle he's he's an he's and an oddly, he's an old time Democrat, you know, but I also think the same thing about you, Dave. I, I want, I've really been enjoying your podcast because, you know, I never really knew what a libertarian was. I'm kind of an idiot in, in a sense of, you know, I just, uh, yeah, libertarian. Yeah, I guess they're like uh, people that just don't want to make a choice. They don't want to pick a team. <laughs> you know, they're, they're the guys that sit on the side and just tease everybody. But the truth is, I've kind of evolved into a libertarian myself in a weird way. You know, I, I just I don't belong in either party. And I've really grown to the point place where I really am very, very wary and cautious of both of the political parties and the political class in this country. And I think that you have a way of voicing that and in, not only in your stand-up which you do very well but on your on your show you 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 really can can look at that and dissect it in a way that it needs to be dissected and and rfk jr is that guy even though he doesn't he doesn't really want to admit that he because he, he what he's he's so grown up being a Democrat and the and an old, you know, he just wants to, he so wants to follow his family's footsteps. He doesn't really understand. You know what? 
you're not really a Democrat anymore. They they left you. They left you, you know, long ago. Yes. Yeah. Well, look, he's, I mean, he's like the kid. He's like the the, the, the little kid that, that gets left and the Indians pick him up on the, on the wagon train. And he goes, well, I'm still with my people. No, you're not. You're not. We're, yeah. we're your people now. You well, know? it's um, yeah, it, it's interesting. And look, of course, you understand. I mean, his father was Bobby Kennedy. So obviously, like he's yeah. a Democrat in, in like the deepest sense of his identity. That's like who he is. He's they were the his family is the most famous family of that party. But of course, we're we're not living in 1968 anymore. I mean, it's just the country is a radically different country. I think this is something particularly that people were thinking about uh, a lot this week. Uh, we're recording this the on September 12th. We just passed the 22nd year anniversary of of 9-11. And just since then, just just in the last 20 years, this is just a radically different country than it was when I was a, like a teenager in the 1990s. This isn't that world anymore. And, and young people today, I don't think even know any other world than than this. You know, uh, I, I heard Glenn Greenwald was talking about this recently. But like when they first passed the Patriot Act, even in the wake of 9-11, with all of the hysteria that was going on, um, it was still controversial. Even enough people were still like, whoa, this seems really un-American to have to give the government this power of spying on its own people and to kind of suspend like all these like constitutionally protected rights. And in order to get it passed, they put um, a, a six year um, uh, sunset in it. So it That's had right. to be renewed every six years. And the and the and what they said at the time was like, well, we'll have to come back to you and argue why this emergency still exists. You know what I mean? And it's just been re renewed every single time. I think they changed the name of it and they call it the Freedom Act or something like that now. But We're it's in the a same state thing. of chronic emergency. Chron We've been an emergency nation for 20 years. And yeah. nobody in the news, nobody in the political class is even talking about radical Islamic terrorism anymore. That talking point has completely gone away. They're not even pretending that we have some real threat of another 9-11 style attack. Nobody's concerned about Al-Qaeda. Nobody's concerned about ISIS anymore. And yet all of those things are just part of America now. It doesn't matter that that emergency went away. This is just part of America. And the, you look, we, we live in a country now with a Department of Homeland Security and an NSA that spies on all, all of uh, the American citizens. And you know what I mean? Like just every organization in DC is bigger and more powerful. And also there's all these new cultural dynamics where like there's these very bizarre like attacks on the concept of gender and the concept of like, what everyone used to consider normalcy and the what a bigot is is now someone it, it used to be like if you felt like if you wanted to have a business and not allow blacks or jews in your business that used to be what it meant to be a bigot now it's like if i say i think there's a difference between boys and girls that's now considered being a bigot we're in a very different landscape and so what would make you a liberal democrat in the 1960s doesn't necessarily make you the same thing. And although I don't think uh, Bobby Kennedy is a is a pure 100 percent libertarian, um, I, and I'm sure there are there are issues that I would disagree with him on on all of the most important issues. He is with the libertarians on all of the, the most important issues, whether it's not fighting a war with Russia, a proxy war in Ukraine or an actual hot war with Russia, whether it's not forcing people to get experimental uh, medical vaccines or whatever they're 
they're calling him now, against lockdowns, against the CIA, against the Federal Reserve. Against, like he's on all of the most important issues. And even the border. You know the, the border regime. now. Yeah, yeah. No, and he woke up about that. Look, he even even when it comes to um, things like climate change, he's completely woken up to like what a scheme the whole thing is. And not to that he doesn't believe in climate change or believe that we, you know, we need to take care of the environment. But he recognizes that turning over all of the power to the World Economic Forum is not the answer. And he's he's promoting free markets, free markets as, as the solution, which I think is uh, is correct. So I will tell you, too, also, and then we can move on from Bobby. But in terms of you saying well-read, I actually was with Patrick in Boston play, playing, uh, what was it, Nick's, Nick's Comedy Club? Yeah. Nick's, Nick's, Last, yeah. Nick's Comedy Stop, right? Nick's Comedy yep. Stop, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and he, out of nowhere, he called me. I hadn't spoken to him in a, in a few weeks. And he says, hey, I'm thinking about running for president. You know, he's just calling a few of his friends. Said, I just want, I want to, and I said something like, well, if you are, you're going to have to deal with this, the Ukrainian war thing. You know, you're not going to, that's because that's going to become the big issue. That's what I really felt at that time. And I didn't, I, I, we hadn't really spoken about it. And it was so bizarre to me because he just was like, he rattled off about three books to me and he was and this and that and and it really and i didn't know that much about it i just knew where i was to me the whole thing was like ridiculous that we were that people were, were hanging out ukrainian flags or putting them on their their instagram and they had no idea what was really behind this whole thing and but bobby was like so ahead of it and he, he turned me on to a couple of really great books and and as it got into it, I think he has the best stance of anybody on it. He 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 really understood it better than anyone that I knew. He, and and that and that's almost like that on any issue. And I have lost a lot of good friends over the years, especially during the COVID thing. With because just saying, read his book, read his book. And I had some really good friends just like. Just say you're an idiot if you follow that guy, you know. Yeah, and you're like, oh, so why is it? Why isn't Fauci suing him then? You know, like if he's get if his book is wrong and he's not backing up every claim that he's making against Anthony Fauci, if if he's wrong, it would clearly be defamation. So why isn't why isn't Fauci suing him for a hundred million dollars? Is because well, everything, in the, everything in the book Fauci's is right. Well, in Fauci's defense. You don't have time to sue people when you when you're, you're being feted at luncheons every single day and, <laughs> and have parties at your name, and then people meet in big fields and and throw shrines to you. You know, yeah. he, you know, he's a religious figure now. He can't really be bothered with lawsuits. But it's really it really is amazing, man. It's amazing what we just lived through in the last few years, and it's hard to recognize the moment, like how crazy it is when you're in it. You know what I mean? And then it's almost like as people come out of it, I think they wake up a little bit more to it. But and I'm not saying that I'm not equating these things. You know, I'm not saying they're exactly the same. I'm just saying that when you when people talk about like the Nazis and when people look at it, they go like they have this like, how the hell did a whole society just go so crazy Absolutely. and agree Absolutely. to do these wild things that they would just seem so like horrific and all. But you you think about like what the year 2020 was like and how everybody got into these like 
insane rituals and like deifying these people. Like remember how they were with Cuomo that he won like an, an Emmy it's amazing. and amazing. everyone amazing. They, they were calling themselves, uh, what was it? Met Metro or Cuomo sexuals or something like that. And they were oh, all talking about how they, they, they just started like worshiping these people who were, by the way, it was like amazing to me because I'm a libertarian. So I was kind of like inoculated against all this stuff. Like I'm, I've always been against government authority. So it was very easy for me to oppose all the stuff in 2020. But I remember they're at this press conference. Um, and this was early. This must have been in March. It was like right with the beginning of the lockdowns. And they uh he just like very casually announced to a room full of reporters that they were suspending speedy trials because they just you know couldn't get the trials moving and we don't want to let people go you know if they if they were guilty of this so you're going to just have to wait for your trial because of covid and the court system right. slowed down and it was a room full of reporters no one gave pushback not one tough question and then you turn on the news and they're just all worshiping him and you're like this governor just announced he's suspending every constitutionally protected right for the people who live in his, oh, you, you guys can't go to church. You can't go, you can't go to church this weekend. And you're like, I don't know about you, but like I've read the first amendment. It's not that long. And it seems pretty clear that it protects people's right to go to church. And you're like, no, we're just, we're suspending that. It, you're was, not allowed amazing. Out of your house. it was amazing to me. Not only that, they would, they were telling people they couldn't go to church, but they kept the liquor stores and the, and the, and the big box stores open, you know, yeah. and they kept, it, it was just an amazing time. And look at, you know, Nobody has admitted they were wrong. That's the other side of it. Nobody was like, geez, we were dead wrong on that. And 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 I, look, I've been I've been led down the path wrong before in my life. And I I just I don't have a problem with it. I, I think yeah. was dead wrong with the Iraq thing. You know, I I just let the press and the and the, the government and the Senate and the president, everybody just kind of make me think, okay, we've, we've got to bring democracy to the Middle East, which was absolutely insane and stupid. And, and, and I walked like a lemming with them, you know, and, but this one, I just didn't, I I was lucky enough to see coming. I, I just saw it coming and it was sad because it's almost like, you almost wish you were with the pack and something like this, because when you're not, you're just, you're just a pain in everyone's ass while it's happening. And then at the end of it, it's like, you're waiting for everyone to go to wake up, you know? And, and I just feel like the, the funny, the thing that I was kind of always thinking is that was this good for comedy or bad for comedy, (laughs) you know? And, obviously for a long time it was bad for comedy and i'm i'm thinking it's kind of getting good for comedy but i i think that a guy like you and i see guys like like jim brewer and you have to get to a certain level you can't you can't be just a comedian and go to the comedy cellar or the comedy store and do really good political humor because they don't want to hear it yeah but well, if you the, get to a certain level and you're bringing your own fans in, then they want to hear it. Well, it's so if you're, you know, when you if you ask, like, was it good for comedy or bad for comedy? I think objectively the answer is both. Right. Like it's it's been both bad and good. Um, the the comedy industry and I've, I've been doing stand up now for about 15 years. And it's been it's been interesting to be in an industry as it, it went through a revolution. 
like a, a complete revolution. Nothing short of that. It is it is unbelievable how different. I mean, when I started stand up comedy, most of the comedians I knew didn't have social media pages. MySpace was the big thing at the time, um, and a few people had them, but a lot of people just didn't. And it, it had nothing Dane to do Cook. with the business. Dane yeah, Cook, Dane yeah. Cook was like the the guy who who kind of like started using that yeah, stuff, but most most of us didn't. Um, and the game back then, and there weren't, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have iPhones, we didn't have social media, there was no such thing as a podcast, there were not, like, none of these things existed. And back then, the whole game was you were trying to get up at open mics to, to get a solid six minutes, so you could audition for clubs, and then if you got into the clubs... You could maybe uh, like get a festival or you could maybe get like a manager or an agent who then you could audition for TV shows or you could submit writer's packets or you could, you know, you try to get a late night. That was like a huge thing. If you could get on Conan or like, God, you know, the Tonight Show or Letterman or something, that's that would be the really huge thing. All of this is completely different now. Look, dude, Tim Dillon had never did a late night set. He's never done a, a television late night set. And it would, there, he would have no interest in doing one. It would be a punishment to him. Well, to, Rogan, to him Rogan is the Carson. Rogan that's is right. the Carson. So now that's it. So now that's the game now. Now it's like, oh, you don't have to do all of these steps to then get a show. You can start a show, and then you try to build up your show. And ultimately, now what you're trying to get is, is Rogan, and there's just like no, there's no comparing it. Like if I, if I got uh, on you know, I mean, Conan's not on the air, I don't think anymore, but if I got on The Tonight Show or something like that, or you're like one of those guys, so you're going to go do, you'll go do six minutes of stand-up comedy for the audience who will then, like, let's say they love you. They think that that's ah, the funniest six minutes of stand-up I've ever seen, you know? Well, then tomorrow night, there's a new comic doing six minutes. And then the next night, there's a new one. And then by two months from now, there's been 20 new comics. And there's, you know, you just get lost, like, in the shuffle. If I go do Rogan, I speak to a substantially bigger audience for three and a half hours. <laughs> like these, they come out of there knowing me, like intimately knowing who I am, what like the cr crazy stories, what my worldview is, different how I interact with my friend. Like you get a you get a fan. Like there's a new fan who who loves you when you come off of that show. It's a totally different thing. It's a totally different world, and that. So the, the people who can adjust, adapt to this new landscape are thriving in like a crazy way, a crazy way. You know, you look at like the guy like my buddy, uh, Shane Gillis, who's one of the most incredible comedic talents like I've ever yep. seen. Um, yep. And he is, this guy got canceled by, from Saturday Night Live. And in the old world, that would have, that's it. He's done. Like his career will never. I mean, he's relegated to go back to the clubs and just be a random like club comedian and struggle to to pay his bills. But now he just goes, "Oh, I'm just going to release my own sketches on on YouTube. They're the they funniest brilliant. goddamn they sketches. They're the the best the best sketch comedy that's been done since the Chappelle Show was oh, just done. Stuff that he the stuff he puts up at Gillian Keeves on Gillian Keeves TV is is I think. You can go back to the groove tube. Yeah. I mean, how long? It's some of the funniest, yeah. some of the funniest, most creative, just hilarious stuff. And then he can just put his own specials out. Like he put the one out on, on YouTube that blew up at like 12 million views or something like Live that. In Austin, yeah. Yeah. And then, and now, and look, he just did the Netflix special, but that's, it's not even like, oh, like, 
Net, like Netflix almost had no choice. He just made himself so huge that it's like, if you guys want to be relevant, you better put Gillis on there, you know? That's, so it's just like, yeah. so in that sense, it's like, it's, it's such an amazing time for comedy. It's such an amazing time where like, you can't, you know, for someone like me, like the, the style of stand-up comedy that I do and what, what my politics are, I will not get any corporation to jump behind me nobody's no no television network is ever going to put me on no you know what i mean like no that's just not going to happen but i could care less because i don't want to do that anyway i don't want to go talk to suits at some network and go over my this is literally what they do to stand-up comics i'm like late night shows they go over each line oh, of your joke me, Dave, i had a, I, I had years of doing it yeah and approve this word take this word out we have to find a new word for that you know I don't want to do any of that, man. That's the whole point of being a comedian is I didn't want to do any of that. So I don't hey, want to have a job. A kid, That's the point. Kid, I would go on the Tonight Show and I would just, they would put me through the rigors and rigors and I'd go there and I'd be tense for a week and then yeah. the day would come and I'd go on there and I'd go there and then Johnny would talk too long to some old lady from that he thought was funny from St. Louis and they'd tell me, I'll come back another night. Yeah, and it was. Yeah. I, I just go home in pain, you know. It's wild, and it, dude, and it's it's a crazy thing that they ever allowed it to happen because it's like, dude, like nobody, th these people, none of them ever understood stand up comedy, and they don't even get like when you're like, oh, like to a comic, like, oh, just change this word is like, no, dude, like you don't get it. Like the whole joke relies on that word. Like things have to be. There's jokes where like if you just say it a slightly different way, it doesn't work anymore, or at least takes a lot away from the joke. There's little things like the very precise wording is very important, and the, none of these people even get it. And so it's like, oh, I've watched them before. Dude, I've watched them what they've done to my friends, man. Where they just like put these like it's like it's like you watch someone who's like an excellent swimmer. And then like this network comes along and they're like, we're just going to make a couple tweaks. Uh, we're going to have to handcuff you and tie this weight to your leg. But now go out here and, uh, and swim. And you're watching them like struggle to get through it. And I know these people. I'm like, yo, this dude is a brilliant comedian. That bit was hilarious. And they just butchered it. It's like as an artist, it's just like hurts you to see. It's like someone like painting over Picasso's painting. I'm like, actually, I think it should go like this. Like, you don't know what you're talking about, dude. You're not a painter. Get the hell away from this guy and give him a canvas. And so now that comics can actually do that, it's like the most beautiful thing. So there's all that stuff that sucks. The woke, the woke thing, like totally destroyed a lot of comedians. Uh, it took, you know, people who fell into that. You know, like Stephen Colbert. You could look at him as just the god-awful hack that he is today, but that guy did the Colbert Report, which was the most brilliant show. It was so damn funny, man. The guy was so talented, but he just fell into this system, and it sucked all of the, the you know creativity and, and funny out of him. But for the people who didn't fall into that and figured out how to use this new world that we live in now, it's like the most beautiful thing. So it's good and it's bad. Well, it's funny because, you know, listen, I, I think it's great for you, you to be so aware of that and of your world. I, I think that there's a lot of guys and I understand totally why. Like, for instance, look at I, I, I think Shane's fantastic. Shane wanted to do Netflix really bad. It was it's like it's almost like a guy who loses his limb and doesn't know still feels it. A lot of these people, they want. They want what was there before them. They don't know that 
the world's change and even they they know the world's changed but they still feel their arm that's gone and he i actually helped him get that netflix special you know and and spoke to robbie pra many times about it and they did they they were afraid to have him and then they agreed to have him before he got as hot as he was hmm. but the fact of the matter is that's something shane wanted he didn't need it and you're right yeah. i think i think he would have been better off without it putting up another live in austin you know I think he would have been better staying on his own bushwhack trail. That's that's my thing. I think I'm so enamored by this new world of comedy that you guys are all creating. I'm just an old guy following you guys up up the tra- up the hill, you know. And I do think that there's a lot of guys that are still every now and then they they panic and they want to chase back into a, an old world. But I I, I believe like something that I was really, it, it was very interesting to me that you guys at gas digital did half hour specials, which I thought was really smart because I don't think I, and uh, who was it? Who was on Erica Rhodes was on last week. And she was saying, well, an hour, it takes an hour to show the full arc of the, of the piece. And, and I, I, I guess I get that. But to me, our specials came from back. They were still left from when you would do an hour net network television special. And then when we went to cable, everyone did our cable specials. And, and then when it went to streaming, they had all the algorithms that showed that people weren't watching full yeah. hour specials, you know? And I think to me, it's a special should just be as long as it needs to be. If, if it's yeah. 27 minutes, if it's 47 minutes, it's, it shouldn't be a length. It should be every special. Sh- it's like no one ever said, well, this album has to have 11 songs. Right. It, it- yeah. It's kind of interesting in a way, right? Like it's, it's, um, cause I get, I get her point, you know? Um, but I, I also like, is, isn't it kind of weird and arbitrary? Like why we're choosing 60 minutes and this is based off an old TV format because that's right. the way shows went. Shows went for a half hour or an hour or something. You couldn't have a show go an hour and 15 minutes. It just didn't work with the, you know, the TV guide right. or whatever, you know? Right. Um, but there's, why are we, if we're just putting these online, why is it? Yeah. Why can't it be 52 minutes or an hour and seven minutes or whatever? It doesn't like, we don't right. need these artificial things and i you know i'll be honest i wanted to do an hour originally like i had an hour ready to go and i did like the arc of all of it and i liked how it all flowed into each other um and then lewis jay gomez who runs gas digital he was the one who came to me and was like look this is what i want to do i want to do a series of half hours and i want yours to be like the lead one for it and he kind of just convinced me um that um you know like basically basically like what you were saying that like if you actually look at the analytics people aren't watching the full hour but they will watch a, a half hour and that's just i don't know this you kind of got to adjust to the time we're in and it's like yeah people are watching like uh like um tiktok and reels and stuff they're used to very short quick things and that's they're right. used to like having multiple tabs open and watching different things and that's that's just the world we're in so it was an interesting thing i was like all right well let's experiment with that and i still have a, like a lot more material ready to go so i could still i'm, I'm gonna put out another special next year 
So exactly. it's like it's it just kind of makes it easier to like replenish. And then, you know, also there were other little factors like, you know, they paid for all the production and stuff. And uh, there is something appealing about not burning your entire hour. Because, you know, I'm still right. I'm still exactly. a professional and I got exactly. I got people buying tickets to me next yeah. weekend. And it's like kind of like, exactly. OK, I can't do all the special jokes anymore, but I at least have all this other stuff that I can do. So if you come see me, you're not like paying to see me like really start from scratch and, and like work it all out again. So so that part's cool, too. So it was a, it was an interesting experiment, you know, and uh, the, the response to it's been unbelievable. So I'm I'm very pleased with that. I, I thought it was a great special. I think I think it's it's perfect like uh kind of shows you you do you as a comedian version of you as a pot what you do on your podcast but i also really believe that you know when you watch a guy uh, uh, something like that you do want to go okay now i want to see him live and sometimes yeah. if it's too much and we all do have this all of us. I, I I spent a long time going. You know, the kids today, their their attention span. And then I realized I'm as I'm telling my friend that I'm on, <laughs> I'm on my phone and my tab and talking to him on on Facetime, complaining about the kids today. You know, but we all have our attention span has gone way way down, and our our ability to multitask has gone way up, and we can handle. Uh, uh, we don't we don't need an hour special unless if a comedian says hey look it i gotta do an hour uh, but your special was 37 minutes actually right yeah you know yeah it, something like that yeah it, it is what it is and it and i i really you know look i i think to me the real question is are you going to be able to say anything you want to say? I, I, I really, that's my biggest thing. You know, I, uh, I, I don't love the idea. I was on Jimmy Dore's um, podcast, which I, I really, I'm a fan of Jimmy's and I like what, what he does. And, and I was, I brought up something. I was telling a story about, about the vaccine and, some friend of mine giving me a hard time about my stake taking the vaccine. And he, he got, but Mike, you're kidding. You know, we are very pro vaccine. <laughs> yeah. And he was worried about his COVID. He, I get what he was doing. He didn't want to be demonetized or whatever. And I thought, you know, and Jimmy, he was just, he was kind of kidding, but not kidding. And I'm thinking, man, where, when, when is the point going to come where, google and youtube and and these big corporations are going to go we gotta we gotta take our hand off the buzzer you know we we can't do this you know we, we we've been busted and that's the thing for me for podcasters and comedians i just think that it's not quite yet a uh it's a great new world but it's not a free world no not not yet um and uh there's you know it's look it's 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 a crazy thing that's that's happened and like i talked about you know how there was kind of there's a revolution in the comedy world but on, on top of that there's just been a revolution in in the media world and there is um look like there's a reason why government governments monopolize certain um industries or certain sectors of society right like it's not like it's not like a coincidence that like um, 
like the government runs the post office, but the government doesn't run like shoemakers, right? Like they never had any interest in saying like the government's going to be the only ones who make shoes, you know, there's just no interest in that. And why do they run the post office? Well, because it's communication. Okay. And the government wants to be in charge of how people communicate with each other. And if you think about that now, right now, today, the idea of saying the post office is communication is kind of goofy, but for a long time, that was seriously the way that people could communicate with each other. If you were living in a different state or something like that before the telephone, that was the way you would communicate with each other. Oh, and by the way, the government's also monopolized the telephone companies. Crazy coincidence, right? That they happen to right. get into that. Oh, and they also run the schools. Huh, isn't that interesting? They also decided that they want to be in charge of educating your children. You know, it's very specific, these areas that the government runs. And what's another one that the government, where the government um, licensed out the television channels, okay? So they basically oversaw who could be in on the news. Um, they were always in control. And then, of course, you can also look up like CIA operations of how they infiltrated media companies and basically, and to this day, you can just watch the news and it's all CIA talking points. If you turn on any corporate media, they're just telling you what the CIA wants you to hear. And this is, this was a, you can look into, I can't remember, is that, was that Mockingbird or Paperclip? It, it was one of those CIA operations where they infiltrated yeah, the, yes, the media. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and they still, it and still so, exists today, to yes, this day. But there's this whole new thing that just happened. And you can see them all freaking out about it. For the first time ever, they don't have a monopoly on it. Now we have this internet thing that came out, and all of a sudden, that they don't have a monopoly. And then you can see the tremendous resentment they have that there are shows like Joe Rogan and Jimmy Dore and all of these guys who are like way bigger than, than the corporate media, and they are not controlled by them. And so this now, this tech censorship is almost like their attempt to come back in and start reigning, you know what I mean, control over how people wield this new thing. I will say, though, I'm pretty optimistic about it just because I think we have this new weapon that we never had before, and it does seem like despite their best efforts, it's kind of impossible for them to really shut it down. And you see there's been like these these latest rounds of even like trying to cancel people where it's just not working anymore. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that I think we are kind of living in a brave new world now. Um, and I mean that in the positive sense, not like the book, which was kind of yeah. a, a downer, but, uh, it's a great book though. Um, but it's, we're in this new world now where like the powers that be don't have the same type of control that, that they used to be, uh, able to have. And, you know, even, even just, um, when, when I was a teenager, you know, none of this stuff existed. And there's well, I'll I, give you I, an example. What was what was that? Um, what was that app that the first kind of anti-establishment app that came out? Parlor was it called? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they just they just nuked it. Yeah, it went away and it was gone in about a week when they wanted it gone. And since then, there's been Getter and Rumble and uh, Trump's thing. Truth Social. What's Trump's thing. Yeah, true social. And you get the feeling that they can't just nuke those. And and the and, biggest one of all is Elon Musk buying Twitter and right. like kind of completely turning that around from the organization right. they wanted it to be. And so now and that's the other thing is you get like some of these really, you know, really rich people, which um, I think is, is also going to be like one of our our only hopes is uh, like wealthy people who are actually good guys who are like, no, I'm going to like put some chips in at fighting against uh, this kind of system. But look, man, the thing that really makes me kind of feel positive about it, and don't get me wrong, they're still bad. They're getting away with funding this proxy war in, in Ukraine right now. But it would 
dude, they literally, and again, for, for people who are like younger, um, I don't know if you even understand how crazy, listen, man, in 2002, they had a year long propaganda campaign that said that everybody knows that uh, Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and he worked with Osama bin Laden to pull off 9-11 and he's about to pass one of these weapons of mass destruction off to his terrorist buddies and the next 9-11 is going to be a nuclear attack on America unless in we invade in a suitcase unless we invade Iraq and it was just I mean complete lies it was uh, it was he's going to give the weapons that he doesn't have to the terrorists that he's not friends with to then uh, it's all just nonsense it's just complete lies they knew they were lying they completely manipulated the country um and it's and a lot of war. them are already here working at the 7-elevens just yeah, so yeah that's right and and it was a um a, and it led to a war that killed a million people um and that would just be so much harder to pull off today like I, it would be next to impossible because yeah. the thing is now you have the biggest two people, the biggest two people in media right now are Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson. The, the biggest people in media back then were Bill O'Reilly and like maybe Keith Olbermann. Maybe it was a little before yeah. Keith Olbermann, but those guys were just puppets of the regime. Well, they were just going to go along Ted with the propaganda. Was still one of Koppel, the yeah, Koppel was still big, but all of those guys were just going to be mouthpieces for the regime. Yeah. The, the guys now who are the biggest media people are opposed to the regime, and so it'd be very, it'd be almost impossible to propagandize the American people to that level, um, because people kind of see through how corrupt government is now, um, a lot more at least. And so I'm, I don't know, I'm optimistic about that. In many ways, we're in a much better situation, even though in, in some ways where we are, you know, things are tough. Well, listen, Joe Rogan's going to propagandize us on, on, the, on those um, memory pills. So it's, <laughs> yeah, one, it's one scam or another. And, <laughs> but, but let me let me before I let you go, I want to talk about one other thing, because it's something that I know you, you, you know a lot about. And I, I like I say, I'm really, you know, I have this this blog site. I do stand up world and I, I, it's a lot of it is about this new world. And I love the Legion of Skanks. I love what you guys have done and I, I, the, the um, skank fest, you know, yep. which if, if you don't know it, you think, well, what is that like an orgy you guys do in Vegas or what is what the hell is talk a little bit about the Legion of skanks and, and, and what you what that is, because it's a to me, you guys have created a new wing of stand up comedy. And that's and let me just say I that's what I love about where stand up comedy is today, that. It's where music always was. There was classical and jazz and this and and you guys have really built your own wing and I and I just love it. Yeah, man, I got Skankfest is coming up. It's only like three weeks away, man. I can't wait. It's always just like such a fun time. And no, it's not. It's not just a big orgy. I mean, like some people there may have orgies like on their own time, but we don't like we don't sponsor the orgies. But you are free to can to have an orgy like in your hotel room afterward. Make sure voluntary. Everybody has to agree. <laughs> Um, but, uh, aside, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, actually how Skankfest started, which is such a cool story. It was Louis, Louis J. Gomez was, it was all his idea. Um, and then he like, you know, we all kind of like got behind it. And then, uh, Rebecca Trent and Christine Evans, like they, they, like they came in and started running it and really took it to like the next level. But what happened was there was like this woke comedy festival that they were trying to do. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it, but it was like some, some kind in the name of like wokeness, they did this thing. 
where they would, okay, so they would, uh, they charge comedians to submit for this festival. But if you were a woman or a person of color, they charged you less. And so that was their like, see, look, we're doing this because, you know, the what, straight white men always get all the advantages. So now if you're not a straight white man, you know, like whatever it was, it would be like 50 bucks if you're a straight white man, but it's only 25 bucks if you're a woman or a person of color or something like that. And they were spinning it as like, we're doing this for like social justice. And Lewis was like, hey, you're not doing this for, you're ripping off comics. You're charging them to submit for your dumb festival that means nothing anyway like what so all they were doing was getting like a few hundred comics to submit and making money off of these comics and then pretending it was like some social justice thing so and lewis ripping some off less yeah right right exactly like there's nothing this is all just wrong so lewis was like i'm gonna start i, I think we should start a festival then we don't charge anything like for for comics like we pay the comics who are performing and we don't charge anything for the ones to submit to it and that was just how it started and so, and then it just, it, it just became like, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger every year. And now it's just like this huge thing. But the whole, the whole like theory behind Skankfest is that it's just going to be like, it's all, like the, the rawest comics and the best comics all come together. And it's all about the experience. Cause there's a lot of these festivals. Like I've done, I've done just for laughs a couple of times. I've done like a lot of these like moon tower and all, you know, these different comedy festivals. And what they are is usually like, it's a lot of comics, a lot of great comics on them, but then there's also a lot of industry there and it ends up being like you're kind of like doing shows and then taking meetings and then trying to like network and try to like, you know what I mean? That's like the whole vibe, which kind of kills how fun the shows are because half the crowd is usually like agents and managers and TV producers and things like that. That's not really like a fun audience to perform in front of. So Skankfest is like, it's this raw comedy festival, remove all of the industry, that's not a component of it. It's you're not performing. It's just the whole thing is about fan experience and the comedian's experience. So the whole thing is a party. Everybody's hanging out. Everybody's meeting each other, taking pictures. Everyone's hanging out. You're hanging out with your audience and you're hanging out with all your favorite comedians who are your friends. And then it's just kind of like everyone's partying. Everyone's having a great time. And the shows are just it's the best comedy fans in the world, man. The shows are like electric every year. And it's just like. It's like and you just do it in different places, don't you? Yeah. We, we So last year we did it in Vegas for the first time, but we're going back to Vegas. This is actually – so we started it in New York um, We because that's where we all lived at the time. We did it uh, three years in a row in, in New York. Then we did it in uh, Houston. And then last year we did it in Vegas. And each year has been like by far the biggest – like it's it's just grown in size every year, and this year in Vegas, man, is going to be it's this is going to be like you do it downtown at downtown Vegas, right? Yep, yep, on the original strip down yeah. there in Vegas, on that that yeah. seedy uh, <laughs> that seedy little area there. But it's cool, man. There's an energy there, you know. People have but, been there. There's an energy to Vegas that's just different than anywhere else in the country. Great. And think about it, though, Dave. I mean, I mean, just because I I started stand up comedy in 1977, okay. I, you know, I was I was a kid. I was 17 years old, you know, and just the idea of a comedy festival, a comedy, you know, they didn't have those. They had it for everything else but stand up comedy. Right. They had it for comic books before they had it for comics. And now, you know, and you're right. And then they adjust for laughs, which was just for showcases is what we used to call it. You know, right. it, it was it was really and but the, to 
you know, you you basically, guys, you turn it into a music experience, you know, like a, a music festival is what you've yeah. done. Yeah. Well, Lewis was like a, Lewis was like in a band when, when he was a teenager and he was like, a, he used to produce music shows and stuff. So I think that always had like a big influence on him. You know, like that's just kind of like it, it kind of built into like his mentality. And so I think that was part of it too. And we do, we had, um we, we had like, uh we all, we had a band. I can't remember who there was some band played last year. Well, don't you have, don't you have Josh is. Adam Myers? Doesn't he? Josh do Adam Myers does the goddamn comedy jam. Yeah. Where it's like comedians yeah. go up and sing with him and his full band. It's an awesome which, which, show. Which I think you, you should have to, give the audience some money back for when comedians, this is the part where we all want to be rock stars. Yes. So no, no, I don't, back. I can't sing and I know I can't sing, but I do enjoy watching that show. It is a no, fun, I like a Josh fun show to watch. Josh, Josh goes for it so much. Yeah. Josh, Josh is a good dude. Yeah. And he, he's, he puts on a hell of a show with the, the yeah. comedy jam. But you guys, listen, I, 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 my hat's off and I, and I love big J and, and I know Soder's not with you guys anymore, but, I actually he I met him when I was directing Billions and he kind of like turned me on to a lot of the new world. Oh, cool, you know? cool. Yeah, yeah. I, no, Soder's not Soder's not doing the bonfire anymore, but he's still he's with us as much as yeah. he's ever been with us. He he's not going nowhere. But and and, and listen, I, I I your podcast, the Legion of Skinks. I was actually on it once, plugging something. It's you guys. It's great. I I I love what you do and. And I'm really happy that you're doing so well with part of the problem and your stand up and everything. And and um, I think you're, you're, you're filling a really good spot in the world. So I'm happy. I'm really I'm really glad to have you on this thing, you know. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. I, I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate the kind words, man. Let's do it again and sometime. You're off on tour, right? You're going are you going to Europe, did you say? Or? Yeah, we're going to Europe after first Skank Fest and then I'm going I'm going on a little European tour, uh doing like uh Glasgow, um London, Amsterdam, and Belfast. So look I'm looking forward to that. I haven't been I've never done uh stand up in uh in Europe. So this is my my first time going out there. So it's uh I'm I'm excited. That's awesome. When you're in London, go into the top secret comedy club if you're looking for a place to work out. Okay. Just jump up. It's a that's the there's a little club in a basement. It's it's awesome. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll check that out. Okay, cool. All right, man. Thanks again, Dave. Thank you, brother. Much appreciated. Best to you. <laughs> okay. Episode 39 in the bin. Down in history. Dave Smith, man, I, I tell you, I got a lot of respect for that guy. I, I, I really, he's, he's a young guy too, but he's got to be in his thirties, right? Yeah, let's see. He's a young guy. He's got a lot. There's a lot ahead of him. Forty. Forty. He's yeah, he's a kid, and he's he's got a lot going on up here. So if you get a chance to ever go see him live, I would definitely go see that guy live. You know, I, I guarantee you, there's a lot of fire. Anyway, what's going on? Next week, we have a really good, really good guest. You're going to love next week. And uh, I am gonna, I'm going to Austin for the film festival. My son's movie is opening there. And then I go to Detroit for Andiamos to open for the great Jeff Ross, my buddy Jeff Ross. And just uh, that's it. Have a great week. 
Listen to us on Apple, Spotify, StandUpWorld.com, X. You can watch this. And, you know, rate, follow, you know, heckle, jeer, whatever you want to do. Just do. Enjoy. Thanks for your support. It means a lot. Have a good day.